I really didn't want nothing to do with wasn't buying into any of that God stuff. You know, I mean, and it's a heck of a place to wind up, not for all it's It's because everybody's patting everybody on the back and hugging each other and, and uh, you know, all that kind of good stuff, you know. And then right off the bat, I remember I went to one of my, uh, I used to say pre-alcoholics, anonymous meetings, when I just went to, I went for my mother's. And uh, they had a couple special meetings for me, and they talked about that. Oh, that's not that's no lie. They did. Uh, and uh, you know, I, I told the people that were here last time in the tent when I spoke for ten minutes that up there in Springville, John, they used to call him John the Barber, and, and he was an alcoholic anonymous. And, and when I got out of the service, I was just getting ready to turn twenty-one, and you know, he was trying to recruit me for this thing, you know, because I had a habit of, uh, I had to work there, I got drunk, but, uh, uh, and so he made a deal with the Lieutenant Taylor down there at the county sheriff's in Porterville, and when I ended up in the tank down there, well, he called John up, and then John would come down and act like he was on some H&I mission, I know that now, I didn't know that then, but he'd always wind up in front of the cell I was at and pitch this AA thing to me, you know. And he might have hooked me because a few times I gave him a dollar, you know, to get me a pack of cigarettes and uh, he took the dollar but he never got me any cigarettes. <laughs> I remember they had a Sunday night meeting, probably the only Sunday night meeting they ever had in Springfield. And then there was a like a Wednesday night meeting, and it was in this little building there. And one time it was Kenny and John, the other time it was Bill A and John and somebody else. And they were special meetings for me. They really were. I, I found that out later, and I found out that's not really how it's supposed to work. But uh, so anyway. But uh, anyway, I, I told him I really didn't didn't want it. I didn't need it. I was too young, and uh, I was too damn young. I had too much stuff to do, you know. I, I had a few more cars to wreck, and you know, and, uh, things like that. And see how long I could go without working. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm, I'm 65 now, and uh, you know, and and I still don't believe in the work. <laughs> really don't. I uh, it's because of Alcoholics Anonymous that I went to work. You know, because I wanted to have hot water from my shower, and I wanted to buy my own cigarettes. I tired of bumming cigarettes. You know? And uh, anyway, so. Uh, so I went to those I went to those few little special meetings they had for me. No, I wasn't interested in it. I really wasn't. You know. And I figured the only reason only reason only reason Kenny gave up being the town drunk and the only reason John did it is because they were old. You know, if I got old and that screwed up, you know, hell I'd probably give it up and go to AA too. <laughs> and uh so anyway, uh I had a 
had 17 of intoxications and three drunk drivings and one for one for possession of controlled substance. Then in Sacramento, I I did what, what any good alcoholic would do. I was up there at nine oh staying at forty sixth and J at nine oh nine forty sixth and J at my cousins and I went down to I went around the corner bar and got tanked up and I woke up and there were these black boots, blue pants, I looked up and caught. And I said, What's going on? <laughs> and he said, You tell me. And uh and I said I said I said, Where am I? He said, What do you mean, where are you? I said, No, what's the address? And he said, it's 907 47th Street. And I said, oh, shit. <laughs> Missed it by a block. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I ended up down, down in this hang down there. And, uh, and I got out of that one because I had relatives that had connections. And, uh, and they all went to school together and they hardcore Catholics and, and they had people that were lawyers, people that were cops and people that were this and that, you know, and uh, so anyway, uh, before I ever ever went to court, you know, uh, I was, uh, I, I, I was, took me out of the felony tank, put me in a misdemeanor tank and then next thing you know they, they took me home and I, I took me back to that. 909 46th Street and uh, J Street, and they, it was kind of like they were sitting around there, and they had this all, all, all figured out, you know, that uh, Vietnam had screwed me up. Nobody, I mean, they were all drunk themselves. Hell, it wasn't drinking that screwed me up. It was Vietnam that screwed me up, and I had, I had these mental problems. And they had called Palo Alto and arranged for me to check in in Palo Alto and get some help. You know? And I told them that they, that was bullshit. And I, and I made such a deal out of it that they, they gave me bus money to go come back to Springfield. And uh, so anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to, like, the drinking, and I can remember running, I lived on that street all my life, River Drive in Springfield. I had a 66, 396 Chevelle that I paid for playing cards when I was in Vietnam, and I come home, and they gave me the keys to it, because it was my uncle's, and my old man took it over so he wouldn't get bad credit, and uh, I don't think it was 90 days I was home, and I remember, I was looking at the house, and I thought, oh, shit. I was about two blocks to the end of the street, and I hit fourth gear. I think I hit about third gear, and I hit them. I hit them poles. You see that again? And I just blowed that sucker, you know. And uh, and my mother come running down there. Some of the neighbors come running down there, you know. And uh, and two highway patrols showed up. And I'm sitting on the. I'm sitting on the. I'm sitting on the tailgate of that, that, uh, El Camino, 
and, and I, caught, I don't know what he said to me, but I, I told him, you know, uh, what I thought it cost, and, uh, and he wasn't going to let me go, and he was going to decide they were going to take me away, and then my mother started whining and all this, their baby boy, and I got out of that one too. Well, I got out of that one with relatives up there. I got out of the one here, you know. I mean, I didn't have any problem. And uh, I just never had to face my problems, that's all. And so, uh, uh, anyway, they let me out of that one. And uh, uh, so, then I got, uh, and then I got drunk one night. I, I told you guys here, I was in the bar, and I, I wasn't worried about dying. And I, I, I just I looked around, and I didn't want to live like that anymore. God damn, I was, I was 20, I was, I was 22, 23 years old, and I looked around, and there's these people, you know, like a lot of you people here, like I am now, sitting around them, and they're all drunk up. And uh, I said, Jesus, I, I can't handle that. I can't make it. I can't do another 40 years of this bullshit. You know, I mean. And so I called up, and they got a hold of John the Barber and my mother, and they called that Palo Alto deal up, and they drove me up there. The only thing is, is that's a pretty long ride from Springville, especially back then. And, and, you know, and by the time they get up and the sun comes up and all this stuff and you're pulling in there, you know, I don't think I really am that big a problem. <laughs> but, uh, they checked me out on that nut work. And, uh, so I went ahead and said, okay. I figured I'd stay, I'd stay a few days and I'd hitchhike over to Sacramento. And uh, they put me on the ward, and this guy, he's sitting there at the table drawing, like about a like fifth grade with crayon. And he jumps up, all of a sudden just jumps up and says, I'm a French horn, and flops out. He goes head bounces off that linoleum floor there that had in that rec room. And I said, Jesus Christ, what's wrong with him? They said, oh, well, he, he took some bad LSD. Oh wow! And, you know, and that. So I'm around there a couple of days. I got to see this little psychiatrist in a wheelchair there, and uh, he asked me what my problem was, and I said, you know, uh, relatives. <laughs> and uh, and, uh, and, and, and I said, no, I think I'm not wrong. He said, what do you think? I said. Hell, I don't know. I'm just a drunk. And he, and he asked me what I was doing, and I said, I've been going to junior college and blah, blah, blah. And he says, well, he says, uh, you know, he said, I, I don't know if you're alcoholic or not. He said, hey, you're probably not. He says, what I'd recommend you do is, he says, you go home and you get a job and you go to work and you get laid regularly. <laughs> and I, I said, man, this is this is my doctor here. <laughs> I mean, you know, he didn't realize I wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't employable. And uh, most of the gals, even though a lot of them had a lot of pity in them, the pity had run out for me. Chance of getting away, you know. and uh, but you know I liked that. That let me off the hook. And I came back 
I'll hitchhike back. I'll hitchhike back to, uh, well, I hitchhike to Sacramento first. And, and this guy in there, I think one of Jack's buddies was in there, trying to, he's checked in there to beat some drug rap or something. And uh, we kind of clipped. And he, uh, but he has money in the kitty. I didn't have any money in the kitty. And he says, well, here, you can't, you can't leave here without some road money. And I said, well, but hell, I'll never, I'll never be able to pay you back. I know I'll probably never see you again. He says, man, it don't matter. He says, we're brothers. And he gave me like 10 bucks. 10 bucks back then was a lot of money. And, uh, so I had 10 bucks. I hitchhiked over to Sacramento. And they weren't real happy to see me. You know, I, you know, it, I mean, I didn't need that, you know. I'm not going to hang around with people, you know, who don't really, you know, understand me. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I went out at night and I hitchhiked back to Springfield. And uh, back then, little draft beers at Melody Hills, quite close to 30 cents. And I still got, I probably got five, six bucks, got ten bucks left. And I didn't go home, I didn't do this, I went in the bar. And I can remember telling them. And they, they didn't believe me. I said, they said, where you been? We haven't seen you for. You've been stuck up on the reservation drunk up there drinking wine? I said, no. I said, hell, I, I said, I've been out in Palo Alto. I said, I was on a nut board. That's all bullshit. I said, yeah, I was up there. I kind of told them what was going on, you know, how, I told them what that old dog said and, and, uh, and all that. And, you know, and, and I got right back in. You know, no big deal. You know, and uh, and uh, they had this old crew up there that up in Doyle Springs when it, oh, it was still going, it was still going private part. But the old guy that was the caretaker, he was the stepdad of my one buddy, and he used to hire all the old rummies to go up and rake the leaves at the beginning of the season for those people to have clean, nice cabins. You know, the respectable people. And uh, and so I asked if I could go right, please. And he kind of he he hesitated. <laughs> and I said, "What the hell?" And I remember the one old guy says, "Hell, he's as big a drunk as we are." You know, this old guy said. And, and and old Fred Fred said to me, he says, "Yeah, but he said he said I know those guys are going to stay until the ratings done." He says, "But I don't think you'll stay until the ratings done." You know, and, uh, and so anyway, uh, you know, I'm up there on the rake in the cabins with the old drunks, you know. And I got in here when I was 26, so it had to happen sometime before I was 26, so that's not real good, you know. And, uh, and, and so anyway, uh, and he was right, because he, he, he paid us. On that weekend, started on Monday, and he paid, he gave us a little advance. But he wasn't going to give me one, but he, he gave me one of those then. And I never made that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and I had some buddies that I ran around with, and and, uh, and and they said I should start smoking pot and uh, maybe drop a little acid and get in touch with myself. <laughs> And I remember that kid up there in Palo Alto. I did get something out of it, but 
Because I knew I'd be just like that someday. I'd be jumping up saying I was something or flopping on the floor. And, uh, and so, but anyway, these two guys, they, they brought me a gallon jug of N-Rose, and they, we went up on the Vault Park side, and they were going to drop acid and play with themselves in the snow or something like that. And I was supposed to, I was supposed to be, I was supposed to be the lookout or whatever the hell you call it, in case one of them had a bad trip. And I said, you guys are nuts. I said, I'm going to, I'll have enough of this wine in me. I said, well, I don't want to know whether you're having a bad trip, good trip, and I won't care. <laughs> anyway, so, then I, then it was a time when I did crazy things like, uh, uh, said I wasn't going to drink, but I'd go in and shoot a cup against the pool, and, uh, wake up in the drunk tank and pour it And I remember what happened. Well, I don't remember the two games I played. And that has more to do with me being an alcoholic than all those other things I did or happened to me or whatever. Is that I couldn't, when I took a drink, I didn't know what was going to happen. You know, I didn't know whether I was going to pick up a two by four and decide you didn't need to live, or I was just going to stand, stand there and giggle and piss my pants. <laughs> I had no idea where it was going or what was going to happen. And I think that really probably, not having that control, that's what it says in the book, it makes me an alcoholic. And so, uh, so I caught that last drunk driver of 26, and they had this program just coming out with the court card carriers and send the court. And, uh, and they were going to, they were going to give me that in the halfway house. And, Porterville there, and I, 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 uh, I told him, I'll just go to jail. And I was going to that halfway. I didn't know what the hell that halfway house was, but I sure as hell wasn't going to it. You know, and, and I hadn't done a whole bunch of jail time, but I knew what jail was. And then, uh, and so they kind of worked out a deal there where I didn't have to go in the halfway house. But I was supposed to go to Alcoholics Anonymous twice a week, and I, I had enough uh, experience with Alcoholics Anonymous to know that going there and sitting with them old pastors for an hour and a half twice a week beat the hell out of going over there in jail and sitting there 24-7. Yeah. And so I go I go down to and old the counselor there, Rocky, he, he ran the halfway house and he's the one that set it up that way and he, uh, he told me to go check some meetings out and not to, you know, judge it on the, on, you know, or just to, you know, check you out, because you might not like somebody and tell me that some of them might not like you. And, uh, uh, so, I did that. But, uh, I went to Lindsay because I didn't want to run into anybody on there. <laughs> and, uh, then I went to, I went to a meeting in, in the, the halfway house in Porterville. And God damn, if there wasn't old John and Kenny were there, you know, in Springville. Man, I didn't want to run I knew, I didn't know what to expect, I didn't want to run And here they was friendly, they were glad to see me. You know, that kind of pissed me off. They were broken what they were doing. And, uh, uh, so I, 
I went into the Monday night meeting, and I think there was one or two other people in the Monday night meeting over there at Fourth and Oak, and uh, and and they uh, they they didn't really like this card church. You know, because we went there for the right reasons. You know. So they started a beginners. It was a study. It was a study meeting. And so, so they started a beginners meeting in the room next door, just for us. And, uh, and that was kind of neat. We in there. And the few people that really didn't, that were now I know, the principals before personalities and all that good stuff, uh, they didn't really like each other in there. There were a few of them. They talked in the beginners meeting, you know, and going to save all us. Beginners, and, uh, and so, so that kind of worked out. And then, uh, but there was some crazy people there. I talked about them last time. There was Doc Blue and and and, uh, and a few other people, and and they were big on the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and they were big on taking steps and getting a sponsor. And, uh, and and there was people like Gold Olpe there and, and a few others that uh, uh, they didn't really care what I looked like. They didn't care how you know they talk about people that are ignorant, lack of education, or whatever, use vulgar language. Then what the hell do you expect out of me? Because I was ignorant and I didn't have much education. I mean that's how I talk. That's how my buddies talk. And they weren't worried about that. You know, they didn't care about the fact that I had a little longer hair and was shaggy and I was, my jeans had holes in them and that I wasn't interested in working. <laughs> you know, I had uh, two or three W-2s or whatever that didn't break 300 bucks after I got out of the service. And that wasn't because I was working under the table either. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so, you know, they told me that, uh, uh, you know, that, uh, well, I want to know what an alcoholic was. I asked an alcoholic son, I asked, what, what's an alcoholic? Everything I go to, I was a troublemaker, that's what it really was. But, yeah. And people really couldn't tell me. They couldn't tell or Everybody had, there'd be ten different, you know. And I had to figure out, well, maybe, really, what, and that's when I got into it, and I did a lot of research on it. Listened to tape, went to meetings, asked people, did all this stuff. And uh, I hit on that part there where it says, we're men and women who no longer control our drink. Yeah. And I couldn't get out of that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and that. But, uh, Doc Blue was the one that was, he told me there was two, two parts of this alcoholic phenomenon, which is kind of me and was sober monster later in life. But the thing is, is, is there's the gloom and doom, there's the gloom and doom, and, there's, and then there's all the good stuff, all the stuff you're going to get, and all the stuff going to come back, and all this wonderful stuff, you know, where you're going down the road, you see the rabbit run across, and you just stop and giggle. You know? <laughs> We sell that part real good. Man, just overemphasize it. But they don't do that anymore. They told me, Tom, if you're not taking the steps, or you haven't taken the steps, 
then you're not recovered or recovering, whichever one you want to argue. You know, you're an untreated case of alcoholism. If you're an alcoholic, it's not. You know, and, uh, and I was an untreated case of alcoholism for a little while in alcoholics not. And they said, you know, if you, if you don't drink, you come to meetings, keep coming back, you know, and think it'll get better. And they're not bullshit. It will get better. You know, you know, the cops ain't chasing me for being drunk. You know, they let me come to Sunday dinner at Hope, and the old lady slept me five bucks now and then. And, uh, uh, you know, I said I used to come with her, for her. I came to keep my hustle going. That was what I did. But anyway, uh, and it got better. But the thing is, is I didn't get better. All I got was dry. All I got was dry, and I had to, I had to run the meetings to argue with the old bastards just so I didn't go out and get them. Yeah. And, yeah, and then I can remember. And then I got into this book, and, 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 and now I've got a whole different viewpoint of it. But, but, I, I, but I didn't want this thing like I said last time. I didn't want to come in here and get well for six months, or a year, or whatever, and then, wham, start that same old bullshit. I, I've done enough of that. And so I got this goofy idea that I wanted something. If I was going to do this, I wanted it to last. You know, but there was people in Alcoholics Anonymous, not a lot of them, but a few of them, that would point things out to them. You know, and they told me that it's a one day a time program, you know, that means you only have to deal with it. But me being an alcoholic, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic, that I would never be able to drink successfully again in the rest of my life. But I only had to deal with it one day. And, you know, and, uh, and that kind of put a different square on the thing. And then it was a goofy old bastard talked about, which still raises people's apples today, about permanent sobriety. You know, and I wanted permanent sobriety. You know, if I was going to do it this way. And then so I got into books for, uh, mainly for uh, self-defense. You know, you said, don't make any major decisions for a year. I'm not an alcoholic tonight. two or three names and they're telling me to make a decision for my life and will over here to God. I don't even do it to God. That's not a damn major. You know? You know, that's kind of major, isn't it? You know, I'm supposed to come in to believe there's something power in me, greater power in me to destroy me to sanity. The sanity is being that I'll still say no to a drink. You know, I, I mean, they got me coming, telling me to believe in stuff and telling me to make decisions and that, you know, I mean, and yet they tell me can't have sex for a year. Well, I know they're going to have sex with me for a couple of years anyway. So anyway, I can remember going in there and, uh, and, uh, and and this is how I started. I'm proud of it. I'm saying the right way, the wrong way to do it. But I come in there and they say, you got a higher power yet? You believe in God yet? Tom? And I said, no, I still think God's the son of a bitch. But, uh, uh, and that, and, and, uh, and I come in there one night and I said, well, I got that taken care of. 
They do. What do you do? I said, well, I said, yeah. I said, I made nothing my higher power. I said, something can't be nothing but nothing. I said, it's something. You know? And I think it was, I think it was a David brother there, the old Jim He said, you know, he said, I, I haven't ever, I've been here six months, I haven't understand this, goofy little bastard. But he said, you know, he said, whatever he's doing is working for him and what I'm doing is working for me. So if he wants to have nothing for a higher power, let the little bastard have nothing for a higher power. You know? And, uh, and so, so, uh, well, I had nothing for a higher power. But I used to talk to nothing all the time. And so I, you know, I got the book. I got into the book. And I, I and they had all this crap. They had, uh, you know, the, all these outlines and all these things from the different organizations, all this other stuff, take the inventory and all this and this and that. And I said, man, I, I really go, I, I don't know what I'm going to do about that. And it was my work with Doc Blue, and I think, I think it was that other old lady. She says, you know, because you've got to talk to the cookbook. You don't need all that bullshit. Just do what it says in there. Well, okay, I'll give that a try. So I did that. I did that. You know, and, and I wrote that stuff down. First, I was writing a life story, and it's not, it's not what it's all about. I'm supposed to write the things that are bugging me and my character. And like it says in there, it's resentments and all that. I find out why, so I won't have to do it anymore. I'll get little tip-offs ahead of time, and I won't have to do it. You know? And uh, so, anyway, I wrote out some of that stuff. And, and I hear now where people got a sponsor, and so they can take their fist up with their sponsor. I'm not saying that's bad. I just was sure that it wasn't me because when I got in the book, it talks about find somebody that you can trust and that won't be affected. And I sure as hell couldn't go down there and share that part of my first step that might involve one of Kenny's daughters. You know, the old town drunk that had become my sponsor. Surely that would affect it. I mean, it really would. You know, and, uh, and so anyway, I don't recommend it, but Bob was had about. He's got a few weeks on me, and, that, and we took the fifth step together. I trusted him, he trusted me, and, uh, and that, and for somehow, somehow it kind of, kind of worked. But just to back up a little bit, I kind of delayed in there on taking the fourth step after I took that big third step, just because, you know, I, and I, I messed up and said, well, I'm really not ready yet, you know, and uh, I'll do it when I'm comfortable. And, Old the guy says, Well, when you, when you get comfortable, he says, Yeah, you'll be, you'll be drunk before you get comfortable. <laughs> and he flipped the book open and he says, Right here. And he went to the last part of our chapter, of step three in the big book. And it'll have a little permanent effect, if not at once all. And uh, I said, Well, how do you do it? He says, You get your number two pencil. Get your guy named Legal Pad right up on top of it. This is Tom McDonald's fourth step, and I'm taking this son of a bitch because I don't want to drink anymore. He says, and you'll have it started. He says, and then you open the book up and follow what it says there. Well, I did that, and I was, I was a proud son of a bitch. You know? 
So I could go to those meetings, and when they were on hounding about taking the fourth step, I didn't have to take that hounding no more. I got them off my back. Yeah. And then, uh, so, but then, on, so on the fifth step, and I, I was going to do it like a lot of people, you know, why, you know, just me and, if I think it was just me and nothing, that ought to be good enough, you know. And, and then, uh, and why should give me a reason to take this step? Oh boy, opens up the big book out there. Um, that part says, well, any people that don't do this are out paraphrasing, you know, they get drunk again. They get to give me the best reason first. Well, you dirty bastard. And so I go and take, I, I took a fifth step, and then, uh, and, I don't know about anybody else, but when you sit there and you finally come clean with yourself about yourself, all the objectable and bad stuff, you know, there's a slight period there before you get a little of your ego and your little bit of, you know, I'm not that bad back, uh, where, man, you're ready. I'm ready. Take this shit. You can have And then, uh, and then the seventh, you know, uh, you know, come, come get it. Sure. And, uh, and, uh, and that. So, and then, then come the ninth step. And I probably overdid the ninth step. I'm not sure I did, overdid the ninth step. I mean, because I'm still here, so must, part of it must have been right. But, uh, I had, I had shit in there. You know, I didn't bring the ball back in the fourth, first grade to the ball rack like I was supposed to. <laughs> You know, I, mean, I, went from, I went from, I don't need this stuff to, man, you can, I'm going to put it all in there, you know. So I kind of overdid that a little bit, but I did do that part, of course. You go look people up, and you tell them, and your eyeballs eyeball. And they, hell, they even forgot they even knew me, some of them. You know, but I, I'm telling them, you know, and, uh, and, and. And I explained to them what I was doing. I just didn't go say, oh, I'm sorry because I took that sick pack of beer out of your back seat, you know, up there at the river. You know, uh, stuff like that. I, I, I told them why I was doing it. I said, you know, I just I ended up being an alcoholic, ended up an alcoholic anonymous. Part of this thing is, is we've got to make, make amends, you know, for the wrongs we've done if we want to continue to stay sober. And I said, I don't ever want to rest again. So that's why I'm doing this. You know, and some of them kind of caught on because there was a few cases there where I didn't really give a shit about him, but I didn't care about not drinking. So I was doing it. Only when the best motive or right reason or whatever, but I did do it. And it's amazing. Some of them, you know, thought it was really a wonderful thing. And a few of them, it was like, you know, you're an idiot. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> but that didn't matter. It didn't matter. It's the fact that I did it. And I was willing to do it. And that, you know, and then the tenth step, and that, and then the eleventh step, that feels soothing. I mean, prayer and meditation. I remember talking to people, and, and they, they said, uh, uh, I don't know anything about this stuff. And what I did know about it was, is, you know, I'm not going to go in some closet and sit there for five hours a day, cross-legged, with a candle flickering or something. I said, shit. Not without smoking some pot in there. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> and they opened up up there. And like old Lou said, he says, for dummies like you, they've got a, they got a, 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 a 
pre-plan meal for you. If you don't know how to pray, pray and meditate, they got a deal in here if you're following it. You know, they got a deal before you go to bed at night. they got a deal when you wake up in the morning. And they kind of tell you, you know, they take care of it. It's real basic. It's real elementary. And it doesn't put you in the, the hot rock class of meditators and prayers. But, it, 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 you know, but it does the job. It does the job. At least it did for me. Did for me, you know, and basically I've kind of hung on to that to even to today, you know. And then there's the twelfth step, and 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 Rick's the one if I have any problem talking this one. I'm, a, uh, you know, don't get caught with me in the parking lot. You might not get home before they are. But uh, uh, anyway, you know, it says we had that spiritual awakening result of taking these steps, you know. We recover by the steps we take, not the meetings we make. And people, when I say that, people say, oh, he's going by. He's putting the meetings down. I'm not putting the meetings down. You set these meetings for, and just don't do the steps, and there's a good chance you're going to end up drinking Because you're going to be a case of untreated alcoholism. And some of you will be able to go a lot longer than others, but, and I believe that. Now, whether that's, you believe that, that's all right with me, so. But, uh, and what's the spiritual experience? Well, that in the back of the book, in the appendix, it talks about that, and it talks about the, the God-conscious people get all, you know, more into God, I guess. And it, and it talks about the, the practical people and the personality change, and by learning, and that's kind of where I fit in. I've had a, I've had a really big personality change. When that cop drives by, I'm going to you. You know, and then they push around, pitch me up, all the same You know? I don't bow to any of them. I just go on about my business. And man, life changed. That's a kind of a spiritual experience. And, uh, but, uh, so, so anyway, uh, and, and, and you take a lot of heat from the God people if your personality type change you're in this thing because, you know, everybody wants you to do it the way they did it because it's working for them, so it's got to be the right way to do it. And uh, <laughs> now that's the way you're doing it's working for you, that's not right because it's not the way they do it. But uh, anyway, so, and we, and so it's, we try to carry this message. Try. Another one of them big words that's only got three letters in it. We try. Yeah, because it, it, it's not how successful the people are with the stuff we give away so we can keep it you know what it's about is how willing we are to give away what's been so freely given to us and then we try to do that and then we'll you know we'll get it I mean I'm not going to ask myself up here tonight but I'm going to get to keep my 38 plus years of sobriety and go for another so it's worth it but uh Anyway, and 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 uh, and in that last part, see that's why I can't judge. I can't judge anybody in here of how good a program you really got, how good you're doing, you know, because I don't know unless I really know you and I'm intimate with you a little bit. I don't know how you're practicing it and all your affairs. We all know people in here, and we've all seen them, and. and 
they had long lengths of sobriety and they'd gotten drunk and we said, oh, I don't know how Joe, I don't know how Joe got drunk. I mean, he had a wonderful program, you know, and you know, Joe was going to 23 meetings a week, you know, <laughs> somewhere along the line he'd take the steps and he'd tell you in every one of those 23 meetings, you know, that he'd taken those steps and he'd tell that newcomer, you know, what they had to do and the right way for them to get this thing, you know. And uh, he was GSR, CSR, uh, you know, head of the New Year's Committee, all this kind of bullshit, you know. I mean, he was working a great program, how to go to Joe Good you know. And uh, I'm nuts, I know, but, but then the thing is, 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 is you know, when, when he, and he'd go, he'd go home, and the dog was in the way, he kicked his son. just came out of the way, you know. Uh, if, if he was, the old lady didn't have dinner, you know, this maybe was something like that. The old lady didn't have dinner ready on time, you know, and he didn't bash her up against the wall, wall you know. He, uh, like she should be, he, uh, <laughs> he, he, uh, you know, he'd hop in the car. Instead of running to the bar like the old days, he'd run down to one of them 23 meetings and he'd tell them boys down there what a bitch of a wife he had, but by God, he didn't have to take a thing. You know? And, uh, and, and then, you know, and then he'd come in and he was running late and he didn't have time, he didn't feed the cats and dogs because he had to run down and make that meeting because it was a 13th birthday meeting that of the month already that he made because he couldn't let the newcomers down to let them know that alcoholics anonymous works. You know? But is it really worth it if you can't take time to beat the cat and dog? You can answer that however you want, but my answer would be, you know, I don't think it's worth it to you. But see, those are the things that I don't know about you people, because I don't know all you people, so I don't know how you're doing it in all your affairs. There was another little one I had there it was, you know, if I put that four down on the, on the scorecard out the golf course, and I really try a five, you know, because the wind's what it's all about, still what it's all about, you know. That's a goddamn affair that they're talking about. Really? Golf? A little score on the scorecard? That could be part of this affair of you on alcoholics moment? You know, you're really crazy, Tom. But, uh, but anyway, I gotta wrap it up. Ran it right down to what he said, and, you know, I got, I got hours and hours of bullshit, cause I'm kinda living a hermit existence. Ain't got nothing, but I just talked to the cat, so, talked to all you smiling faces, you know. I got a lady in here, I was, she was my lady friend at one time, I got an ex-wife, she got people I sat in meetings with and cafes with, and all that. So I'm a lucky son with that thing. <laughs>